Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. They know my voice. They hear me. Are you following? Are you listening? Are you sensitive to his call? That's what it means to take Psalm 23 and make it your own prayer. It's about being and becoming. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. This morning, the scripture reading comes from Psalm 23. And if you have your Bible, can you turn to Psalm 23 and you'll find it on page 862 of the Church Bible, page 862, as we read what is one of the best-known passages in all of scripture, Psalm 23. David, who became the shepherd king, writes these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Amen, and we trust that God will bless to us this reading from His Holy Word. Most of you will be aware that last Sunday morning we began a fairly brief series from what is one of the best-known psalms in all of the Scriptures, and in fact, what is one of the best-known passages in all of Scripture, Psalm 23. And last Sunday morning we began by focusing a little of our time on what is prayer, and sometimes we are tempted to believe that prayer is about asking God for something. And certainly prayer is asking God. It is intercession. But when you take Psalm 23 and begin to slowly work your way through it, what you discover is this, that this magnificent spectacle spectacular prayer is much more than simply asking. It is about being and also about becoming. And that's the biblical understanding of prayer. Prayer in and of itself is, as we have said, intercession, certainly. But prayer takes us to a deeper level with the Lord. Prayer takes us to that place of greater intimacy, that place where it's only you and God together. And there's a bonding in that relationship. There's a sense of intimacy that takes us to a deeper and deeper level. Prayer is about being and becoming. And at the close of our study this morning, I'm going to challenge you to take Psalm 23 and make it your prayer for this coming week. And so we will come back to that theme once again. 
Now, most of you, I think, would probably know that sheep are notorious creatures of habit. They will walk along the same track day after day. They will feed from the same area week after week. And they will do so, in fact, until the track itself becomes wider and wider and wider. And what used to be for a single animal to pass by, now three and four can go by because it leads to soil erosion. And the grass on either side of the track has been so eaten away. And if sheep graze on the same piece of land again and again and again, of course it becomes overgrazed. And it becomes polluted and infested. And it's unhealthy for the sheep. And it's not a good thing for a shepherd just to let that happen. Because the sheep themselves, not only will they become infected with worms and ticks and other parasites, but there will be less and less grass, and so they'll become thinner and thinner, and eventually they will waste away. One of the major challenges to the shepherd is this, is knowing and laying out a predetermined course for the sheep. Now, when we pass in a car and we see sheep dotted around a field, we don't pay too much attention. But the shepherd, day by day by day, is watching, listening. Are they limping? Is there an infestation in their skin? Is there a blemish? Are they diseased? Are they overgrazing the area? And the shepherds, one of the shepherds, immediate tasks is to determine how long sheep can remain in an area before moving them on. And here in the United States, in the far west and north, those last few days of spring, late March into early April, and summer is arriving, the shepherd will pack supplies for a couple of weeks, and he'll go out among the shepherds, among the sheep, and he will walk them to pastures new. And sometimes he will lead them and they will follow. Other times he will force them. He'll have a rod in one hand and a shepherd's crook in the other and he'll be moving them on. Some of you have seen sheepdogs at work and it's an amazing sight to see. They will sit at the shepherd's feet and the shepherd will have his rod tucked down his belt and his staff in one hand. And he doesn't say too much, but he whistles a lot. And you'll hear him go something like this. The dog will go off, off to the right, off to the left, gathering them together, helping them to move in a particular direction. And that's the job of the shepherd, to make sure they are well-nourished and healthy. And here's the difficulty. Because they are creatures of habit, not unlike us, from time to time, the sheep will rather stay where they are, living off of overgraced land, causing problems and difficulties with soil erosion, even eating the roots of the grass, rather than move on to pastures new. Now pause for a second. And let me suggest this. That there are times in the lives of individuals when we have become so much creatures of habit, we would rather live in an old lifestyle than allow God to move us on to pastures new. 
And sadly, often as a pastor, I will meet with individuals who will say to me, Richard, I don't know what was going through my mind. And they will describe for me a dysfunctional, addictive lifestyle leading to decay, destruction, twisted personality. They become utterly selfish and self-absorbed, self-willed, proud, dysfunctional. And rather than leave all that behind and move on to where God is calling them, they remain where they are. When the shepherd needs to bring sheep into new pastures, most of the sheep, when a shepherd opens one gate to another to fresh grass, sheep will run through. But occasionally some will hold on to and want to hold on to that old dysfunctional lifestyle. So let me bring a challenge this morning. Over recent weeks and months, has the Lord been talking to you about a particular area in your life? The way you speak, things you say, how you engage with others in your neighborhood or your place of work, your thought process, dealing with the temptations that come your way, Has he been getting your attention and saying, this really has to stop? That's not you. You know better. Why are you living with that old, impoverished lifestyle, with the decay and the dysfunction that comes with it? Come with me. Follow me. Let me lead you in paths of righteousness. That's where he takes us, to joy and blessing, the thrill of walking with him. That's where he takes us, and David experienced it in his own life, and we do as well when we keep our eyes on him. Look at the passage again. In fact, look at it at a quick glance. Verse 2, he makes me lie down. The second half of verse 2, he leads me, then he restores my soul, then he guides me in paths of righteousness. He takes the initiative. He longs for the best for us, and he, sometimes he will drive us forward, sometimes he will call us, and we follow him. But when he does understand this, he is leading in paths of righteousness in order that we might become more Christ-like. Some of you are already in your mind going to John chapter 10, verse 27, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. They know my voice. They hear me. Are you following? Are you listening? Are you sensitive to his call? That's what it means to take Psalm 23 and make it your own prayer. It's about being and becoming and leaving the past firmly behind. He leads me. And notice what else it says. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then David adds, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now let me pause for a moment. Earlier you heard me talk about 
those late days of spring, early summer, when the shepherd is leading his flock up onto higher ground. And of course, the snows have melted on the higher ground. That means the rivers are heavy with water. They're rushing past. The sheep have to, from time to time, get over and across those streams and rivers. Other times, there will be parasites and ticks and disease. Other times, there will be mountain lions and cougars ready to grab any of the sheep that happens to be passing by. And as the shepherd takes them through those valleys, and they are at moments fearful, uncertain, afraid of what's coming, look at the passage again. Notice what he says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Look at what he says. For you are with me. You are with me. Because during those days, the sheep understand this, that there isn't a single moment when the shepherd is absent. He's right there, first thing in the morning, making breakfast for himself. He's right there in their midst. When they lie down to sleep at night, he's right there with them. He's going to protect them. He's going to walk each step of the way with them. He will be there. Now, as a pastor, I understand that on any given Sunday morning, as I look out at the congregation, we will have people who are hurting, folks who are disappointed, who felt betrayed and hurt. Others will be dealing with diagnosis of cancer. Some will have a family member who's terminally ill. Others will have lost a husband or a wife. And some will be living with the dreadful sadness of suicide in their family. And it feels as if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And you're grieving and hurting. And there are tears. And you do not know where else to go. And the only thing you know that you can do is to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and come back to the Scriptures and make it your own prayer. You're not quite sure how to articulate what you're feeling. You're so wounded, so crushed. Your instinct tells you you will never get over this. And then you come to these words. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Not the sheepdog, not the rod, not the staff, not the green grass. You are with me. And your prayer at that point is, Father, that's all I have. I don't know what to say. I don't know where I'm going. I'm so hurt and wounded. Father, heal me. Walk with me. Grant me your peace. Let me hear your voice. And allow him to gather you up and put your ar his arms around you and remind you again of the words of Jesus. 
I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. They follow me. And at that point, we can say, Father, whatever the future holds, I will walk into it because you are there with me. Being and becoming. That's where our focus must lie. And that's why David is pulling us again into this psalm. Because he knows what it means to come through some dreadful days. Folks, forgive me, please. Give me 30 seconds of an indulgence, and then I'll move on. Last January, on a Sunday morning, we spent two or three months in the New Testament book of Romans. And I touched very much in passing on suicide last February, March time. This coming January, we will return to the New Testament book of Romans. We'll start at chapter 8 and work our way through during January, February, and March. And probably towards the end of January, we will spend a Sunday morning looking specifically at suicide. We'll seek to answer the questions, what if? If only. How does one begin to respond when there's been a suicide in the family? Some of us, of course, will know the family who lost an 18-year-old to suicide less than two weeks ago. Others of us have lost sons and daughters to suicide in the last 18 months or slightly longer. And folks, allow me please to say this as gently and as pastorally as I can, and I'll say it, say it again, and then we'll move on, and we will focus on it in January. Please hear me. The scriptural teaching on suicide is absolutely clear. The circumstance of the death of an individual does not determine their eternal destiny. Let me say it again. The circumstances of the life of an individual's death does not determine their eternal destiny. What determines their eternal destiny is their relationship with Christ, their love for Him, His grace, His outrageous love, that's what determines a person's eternal destiny, not the circumstances of their lives. And that's what David is hinting at here, I suspect. This passage brings great comfort. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, even in death. He doesn't abandon us at that point. He doesn't step away from us. He doesn't give up on us at the point of our greatest need. It's the opposite. You are with me. And that we can hold on to. That's what we hold on to. That's when we persevere. And then finally, what does he write? The latter part of verse 4, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
can't be certain of this, but I wonder, at least in my own imagination, if when David was writing this, and we don't know if he was writing Psalm 23 and he was in his mid-twenties, or whether he was in his mid-fifties or older, we simply don't know. But I wonder if in the back of his mind he remembered the day when his father and his brothers took him out into those rolling green hills, which are still there today around Bethlehem, where David was brought up. It's a much smaller village then. And when David's fathers and brothers would walk among the sheep, and they would teach him what to look for, and he would be developing his craft as a shepherd. He would be developing a shepherd's eye, and the shepherd's eye is watching for health a good coat, watching for parasites and blemish and disease. Are they eating? Are they well-nourished? Are they moving the way they should? And so at a glance, with a shepherd's eye, he would be watching the flock. Then his father would eventually take him to a small tree, and they would cut off a branch. And he would then whittle it away with a knife to a piece about two, two and a half feet and it would have a rounded end, and it would sit almost like a sword in the rope that would hold his tunic together. And what would the rod do? David was taking sheep from one place to another, perhaps going through a gate or through a sheep pen. He would hold the rod, and as one would go through, he would begin counting. 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, Occasionally he would stop, and the rod would part the wool, and he would check for parasites and infestation, and then he would let it go on again. The rod brought comfort. It meant care. It meant the personal touch of the shepherd. On other occasions, when the sheep were wandering away and saw a mouthful of what seemed to them to be luscious plants, and in fact it was poisonous weeds, what would the shepherd do? The shepherd would take out his rod when he saw the sheep wandering in that direction and throw it at the hindquarters. And of course, it would catch the sheep and the sheep would turn away and go back to the rest. There's a passage in the Scripture that talks of God's chastening rod. I suspect some of you this morning and choir, I'm looking for your acknowledgement here, that some of you are old enough to remember a grandparent where you did something really naughty, would take you out back and you would have to select your own switch. Do you remember that? Hands up, please. Let me have a look, choir. Yeah, one or two. It stung at the time. Did you do it again? Probably not the rod. And occasionally, the shepherd would move them along because it meant care and concern. And then finally, the staff. The staff, of course, is unique to the shepherd. Mechanical and electrical engineers don't use a staff. Doctors, nurses, lawyers, those of us who work in retail and in management don't use a staff. It's unique to the shepherd. When the ewe is 
four or five hours old, excuse me, when the lamb is four or five hours old and is finding its legs and wanders from its mother, the ewe, what does the shepherd do? Gently bend down and bring it over and put it back with the mother? No, because then the scent and smell from his hands would be on the lamb and the ewe would reject it. So he takes the staff, the crooked end, catches it under the tummy, and so it's lifted up, and he brings it over and drops it beside the ewe, and then he goes about looking after the others. And the sheep who's not paying attention, and the others have wandered off, and it spots just over the cliff edge, just over on its way into a gully, Oh, there is some tasty grass right there. And it knows if it's ever so careful, it can just about get there. And of course, it goes down and down and down. And before it knows it, it's caught up in brambles or bushes. And it's stranded. And the shepherd hears it. What does he do? He can't go down. It's too dangerous. So he reached down with the hook and lifts it back. When we begin to wander, the chastening rod of God is used. When the hook pulls us back from a dysfunctional, addictive lifestyle that leads to disintegration and decay and danger and sin, and he brings us back to paths of righteousness for his name's sake, that's why we take great comfort. And here is my challenge to you this morning as you begin a new week. Take Psalm 23. Focus on Psalm 23. Make it your own. Apply it to your life, those of your children, your place of work. Father, allow me, please, even in the difficult days, to understand that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will be there with me. Even though in my times of prayer, I long to go to that deeper place, allow my prayers to be about being and becoming rather than going through a checklist of needs and wants. Father, make this psalm come alive for me Keep me on paths of righteousness. Comfort me. Discipline me. Bring to my attention the areas in my life that are infested with sin and selfishness and have twisted my personality. Take me away from selfishness and willful disobedience. Take me back to paths of righteousness. And allow your rod and staff to be a comfort to me. I wonder if this passage is just for you this morning. My sheep know me. They hear my voice and obey. Let's pray together. Father, as we enter into a new week, we ask that as Monday moves to Tuesday and Tuesday to Wednesday and Wednesday into Thursday, and the busyness and activity of life crowds into our circumstances. Help us, please, again, each day this week to come back to Psalm 23, 
Father, bring to our minds and our hearts all that we have learned this morning. And may we be able to say in the course of this week that we willingly follow you in paths of righteousness. For you are with us and you comfort us. Father, hear our prayers, for we bring them to you in and through the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Are you interested in membership at First Presbyterian, or do you just want to learn more about our church and denomination? Join us for our next First Look class on Sunday mornings. Register with Chuck Emery at 672-1753 or emery at firstpressgreenville.org.